Okay. My throat's a little bit raspy this morning, so you'll just have to bear with me. Last Sunday, when Pastor Matt asked us to tell about an ordinary thing that happened in our lives, uh, I didn't, twice I felt led to get up, and then I felt led not to get up, so it was kind of like iffy. So I guess today is the day I'm supposed to get up, and uh, I would like to start this morning, before I start my message, I'd like to share something with you that has meant a lot to me through the years, and I'm sure the minute I start reading it, and Diane's going to play for me uh, while I read this poem, uh, when I first heard this song, Jesus, 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 I was on my way to Buffalo, New York with a group to pray for a young boy who had just been in an, in an accident with his bicycle, and the doctor said he could not recover. And uh, as I was reading this poem for the first time I heard the song, when I got to a certain part, it said, the lights of hope put back into the eyes of a hopeless child. The Lord spoke to my heart and said the boy would be healed. And he was. And it's a long story, so I'm not taking time to tell it to you. But uh, I just felt really led this morning to do this. And Diane, if you'll play, I'll lead the poem. And then you can sing it afterwards. Jesus, the mere mention of his name can calm the storm. Heal the broken, raise the dead. At the name of Jesus, I've seen sun-hardened men melted derelicts transform the lights of hope put back into the eyes of a hopeless child at the name of jesus hatred and bitterness turn to love and forgiveness arguments cease i've heard a mother safely breathe his name at the bedside of a child delirious from fever and i've watched that little body grow quiet and the fevered brow cool i've sat beside a dying saint her body racked with pain, who in those final fleeting seconds summoned her last ounce of strength to say the name of Jesus, Jesus. Emperors have tried to destroy it. Philosophers have tried to stamp it out. Tyrants have tried to wash it from the face of the earth with the very blood of those who claim to serve him, and yet still it stands. And there shall be that final day when every voice of Adam's race shall raise in one great mighty course to proclaim the name of Jesus. For in that day, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So you see, it was not mere chance that caused the angel one night long ago to say to a virgin maiden, his name shall be called Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, you know what? There's just something about that name.
last night about 7.30, Matt called me and said that he felt he needed to go be with Laura and her family and wanted to know if I would preach for him this morning. And uh, so I told him, well, the Lord and I would do the best we could. <laughs> and uh, But, you know, I have felt many times that maybe one of the things that, I don't know how many young people are here today, but I want you to really listen to what I have to say to you today because I don't want you to wait until you're in your 50s or your 60s, your 70s, to find out one of the greatest truths of all times is that when Jesus Christ comes to live in your life, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all the greatest joys of your life. Every step of your life will be guided by him, and all you have to do is trust him. And I think sometimes we fail to realize that at the time that we accept Christ, that this is not a life we're going to walk by ourselves. It doesn't say anywhere in Scripture that you will not face trials. It does not say you will not have problems. It says that Jesus Christ, through the power of his Holy Spirit, will be with you everywhere you go, every moment of every day. And I think the hardest part for all of us is that sometimes we just have a tendency to think more that we can manage our own life a little bit better than God can help us manage our life. But when God created man and woman, he created us to have fellowship with him. And that has never changed. And God wants us to have fellowship with him. And I think one of the most amazing things is sometimes when I see the things that he does, and I mean, I've lived a few decades, maybe more than most anybody in the church right now. I'm looking around this crowd. Wow. Anyways, but you know that I have realized that back even when I was a young child, looking back on it now, how God truly had led and led me step by step in things I never even thought was possible. And when I look at, and, if, and when you talk about an, an ordinary life, the fact that I'm standing here today preaching for Matt Mitchell is an ordinary thing. Because, you know, these, the steps I've taken to get where I'm at today as I followed Christ, followed his will, listened to his voice, heard him ask me and call me to be a pastor, and played all the roles that I had to play to get to where I'm at today, and know for sure that God placed upon my life a call to be his pastor to his church. And that hasn't changed, you know. I might live to be another 90. I might live to be 100. I don't know. But as long as he allows me to do what he wants me to do, I'm able and willing to do it. I'm available to do whatever he asks me to do. And I think that's true from the time you're just a child until you become an elderly person. I haven't found any place in the scripture where it says we're allowed to retire. If you find that, let me, let me know. Because I keep trying to retire and I keep getting more to do. But I want you to go to Ephesians. We're going to talk about a little bit in Ephesians this morning. I might have to use some water this morning. Sorry about that. In Ephesians, and we're going to talk about Ephesians because it's a great book. I'm just going to hit some high points along the way. And this is one of the things I get excited when I start studying the scripture, even when I don't know I'm going to be preaching a sermon. And, and I think, oh, boy, this is exciting because God says this, and I think, oh, boy, that applies to me. Isn't that amazing? God's really going to do this. And then I'll think back, yeah, he can really do this. I could trust him to see me through this situation I'm in today because I can remember when he did it for me once before. I can remember when he, when he did this. I remember exactly when he did it, and I, I know he did this once before. So if he did it once before, as Matt said last Sunday, God is faithful. He will do it again. He is the same yesterday, 
today and forever. That never changes. And so don't let somebody out here give you a whole new philosophy because this is the only philosophy that's really true. This is a living word. I mean, it literally lives. And as you read it, if you don't read it, you don't know that. I'm sorry, but if you aren't reading it, you aren't studying it, you don't know it's a living word. But it's a living word, it'll just jump out at you. Am I right, Diane? I'm <laughs> picking on Diane's morning. And if it just jumps out at you. You say, well, boy, I, I, I just saw something really exciting. In fact, uh, if we go through Ephesians, in Ephesians 1, 3 through 10, we see some amazing things. Because in Ephesians 1, verse 4, it says, Long ago, even before he made the world, God chose, he chose us to be his very own through what Christ would do for us. He decided then to make us holy in his eyes without a single fault. We who stand before him covered with his love, his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by sending Jesus Christ to die for us. And he did this because he wanted to. That's what God did for us. It says he chose us. So we are to praise God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. He predestined us. He chose us. He decided long before that that's what he wanted, and he wanted us. He wanted us. He wanted me. He wanted you. He wanted us to be people that he could use, people that he could have fellowship with. If you have fellowship with somebody you really love, don't you like to spend a lot of time with them? Well, you know what? If we really love Jesus, shouldn't we want to spend more time with them? I'm finding more and more that one of the things I've done ever since my children were little because I had to get up really, really early. I'm still getting up, believe it or not, at 5.30, just like I always did. And I get up at 5.30, I have my devotions with the Lord, and it doesn't matter. There's nobody bothering me at my house anymore. You know, nobody's hollering, I want something to eat. Nobody's saying, you know, where's this, where's that, you know. And I'm there with myself. But I'm still doing the exact same thing. And I think maybe that was the secret to the success I've had through the years in college and everywhere else, that I followed exactly what I did when I was younger, was I spent time alone with the Lord. And sometimes it just amazes me. And he made all this stuff known to, known to us. We've known about it. You know, we just have to look at it. And then the other thing that God did for us, he says in Ephesians 2, 422, he made us alive in Christ and seated with him. Now we're going to go, we're jumping all through Ephesians here for a little bit. We take a whole six-week series here and jump it in one sermon. <laughs> Ephesians 2, 420 through 22. In verse 4, but God is so rich in mercy, he loved us so much that even though we were spiritually dead and doomed for our sins, he gave us back our lives again when he raised Christ from the dead. Only by his undeserved favor or merited grace have we ever been saved and lifted us up from the grave into glory along with Christ, where we sit with him in the heavenly realms all because of what Christ Jesus did. And now God can always point to us as examples of how very, very rich his kindness is, as shown in all he has done for us through Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that just amazing that that's what God does for us? I mean, to me, it, to me, it overwhelms me sometimes. I was uh, sitting here at the front of the church this morning, and I started singing on Christ a solid rock. I stand, and I just started crying like an idiot. <laughs> I just get so overwhelmed at how much God loves me. I get so overwhelmed at what God does for me. I've been through some pretty rough waters the last few years. 
And you know what? Even in the roughest of waters, I've realized God was always there. You know, and my husband was one of these men. He was one of these unordinary men. He always was. I knew him for 60 years, but he was always unordinary. In all the years we were married, I was just a teenager when I married him, and it didn't matter how upset I was, he could walk in a room, lay his hand on my back, and I would just calm right down. Do you know anybody like that? And you know, after he passed away, it dawned on me like nothing ever before that it was God's hand through Christ, through Billy, that calmed me. It was not him. Now, I know you women might not believe that, but I realized that. You know, I never thought of that before until after he passed away because he was so in tune with Christ that when he would touch me, it wasn't just a man's touch. It was different. I always knew it was different. I always knew it was different. I just don't think I really understood that it was Christ through my husband's hand that touched me. I've had people tell me that as a pastor. You know, when you laid your hand on my arm and prayed for me, I felt like it was Christ touching me. A few years ago, I had to have an MRI, and I don't like to be in closed-up paces. It's horrible. I just can't hardly handle it at all. And do you know that I told the lady over at the hospital, I said, I just don't know if I can do this or not. I'm really praying, but I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do this or not. You know, and she said, well, darling, she says, are you, are you fearful or what? And I says, well, you know, I have bad reactions to some of this medication. And she says, well, I'll just get a little nurse come in here and sit right beside the, the thing. And she'll have a needle in, your arm, in, in her hand. And so if you have a reaction, we'll just take care of it immediately. Will that make you feel better? I said, it'll make me feel a whole lot better. You know, when you have bad reactions to medication, you nurses know that that's pretty bad. And so this little woman comes in, this little nurse, and all of a sudden I realized in the middle of this MRI machine going thump, 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 thumping, and all this noise, that I was perfectly calm, I think. Anyways, all of a sudden I realized that somebody was holding my foot. Somebody was holding my foot. And when I came out of the MRI, I looked at her and I said, are you a Christian? And she said, well, how did you know as a Christian? I said, because when you were holding my foot, I sort of felt like Jesus was here too. So you see what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? This is not a figment of our imagination that Jesus Christ lives in us. He lives in us and he moves through us and he uses us to touch other people's lives. And then whenever they see how this works, they want to know what's different about you. Why can you do this? How come you're so different? You're only different because Jesus is who he is in your life. And so in Ephesians, when it talks about this, but we're alive in Christ and seated with him, and we're saved by grace through faith. We all hear that all the time. Ephesians 2, 4, and we're raised and seated with Christ. And then it says that God makes us his workmanship to do good works. This is his words. These are not my words I'm giving you. And it says that, uh, and that's because we're the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that exciting? That we're the dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. This is the church, not this building. You are the church. You are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God. And when we work together, we can find common ground, even if we don't always agree on everything. And the Holy Spirit brings people together to work together so his church can be what he wants it to be. And then we're commissioned for service. Ephesians 3, 10 through 20. 
and his reason to show to all the rulers in heaven how perfectly wise he is when all of his family, Jews and Gentiles alike, are seen to be joined together in his church in just the way he had always planned it through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now we can come fearlessly right into God's presence, assured of his glad welcome when we come with Christ and trust in him. Isn't that amazing? We can just go right in and talk to God. And we're commissioned for service. You know, uh, I told somebody one time, I think I had done everything else in the church until I realized as a young girl, I was pretty sure the Lord had called me to be a pastor, but everybody kept telling me I couldn't do it. I was the wrong gender. And so I just kept saying, well, Lord, you know, I'm, <laughs> you know what gender I am. And he kept saying, yeah, I made you. You know, and, and so, you know, but as we move forward with him and doors open and doors open and doors close and windows open and doors close, you know, day by day, you just do what's there for you to do at the moment. You know, I remember one time I thought the only gift I had was to make coffee. <laughs> I made a lot of coffee for a lot of people. <laughs> and then I decided I was a pretty good baker. I baked for a lot of people too. And, uh, you know, and I think that, you know, the gifts you have, when you have a gift of love, you just need to give it wherever God sends you. Sometimes it's not who you think it might be to. Sometimes it's to somebody you least expect it to be. And as a young person, I want you to know that my greatest prayer warriors this morning, I have some people in this church who are praying for me, I know for sure, because I SOS'd them last night. <laughs> and, and I want you to know I appreciate that because I don't think anything of significance ever happens in the body of Christ unless more than one person's involved in it because then it's not a body. You know, it's not a body unless... All of us are involved in it. Did you notice that I never talked to, Ma to Thomas? I talked to Diane about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus this morning. But every other song has something to do with exactly what I'm preaching on this morning. Do you know why? Because I'm not in charge of this service, and neither is Thomas. Neither is Matt. See, the Holy Spirit's in charge. And so it works together with each of our talents that God calls us to do. I was told one time that God needs minute men, and I had a psychologist tell me I was a minute woman, and I guess maybe that's the way it is, you know. <laughs> I don't know if Thomas was asked to preach or not. Tom, Matt didn't tell me that. If he told me he asked Thomas first, I might have said no, Thomas. <laughs> but anyways, but we're called Commission for Service, and whether you're a preacher or you're a layperson, it doesn't matter. You're called. You're called and commissioned by God himself to tell the unsearchable riches of Christ Jesus. That's in Ephesians 3, 8 through 11. It says you're called, you're called to tell the unsearchable Christ. When I think of the wisdom and scope of his plan, I fall down on my knees and pray to the Father of all the great family of God, some of them already in heaven and some down here on earth that out of his glorious, unlimited resources, he will give you the mighty inner strengthening of his Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts, living within you as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love, and may you be able to feel and understand, as all God's children should, how long, 
how wide, how deep, and how high his love really is. And to experience this love for yourselves, though it is so great that you will never see the end of it or fully know or understand it, and so at last you will be filled up with God himself. Now glory be to God who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. May he be given glory forever and ever through endless ages because of his master plan of salvation for the church through Jesus Christ. So we're called to preach the unreachable riches of God and to approach God with boldness and confidence, to be strengthened with might and power and rooted and grounded in love. You can't give love to your rooted and grounded in love. And until you have God, you have not really got love. <laughs> you haven't really got the love that you need to do the things you need to do. And we are called to be, last and not least, we're a militant army. We're the honorary Christian soldiers. I bet, I bet some of you people are old enough to have read, sang that almost every Sunday morning in Sunday school. Yeah, Mary sang it every Sunday morning in Sunday school. Honorary Christian soldiers, marching as to war, you know. I don't know if I can remember if I even did that wouldn't sing it, but you know, but but God didn't leave us out here. He calls us to be an army. We're to go out, we're to fight the enemy, but we don't fight the enemy by ourselves. And number one, you don't fight the enemy unless you put on the armor of God, because he himself says so. So back to you, your prayer request today. You can't fight the enemy. Of Satan. Satan's out. Yes, he's very real. He's more powerful today than he was earlier on in our lives, and we can see it every day. And he's out to destroy people, and he is working overtime. But we're called to be a militant army. In Ephesians 6, 10 through 19, we read that, that God gives us an armor. And one of the things I've done ever since, I mentioned this in my last sermon I preached here, I get up early in the morning and the first thing I do, even before I get my feet out of bed, is, Lord, thank you for giving me another day. This is your day. I have things I think I'm supposed to do, but if they don't fit in with your plans, just change them and let me know. <laughs> That's before I get out of bed, okay? Then I kind of get my feet over the side of the bed, get circulation going, and then I put on the armor of God, you know. And I put it on every morning because I made a mistake a few years back. I forgot to do that a few times. So I put on every morning before I even get out of bed. And so this is what it says. Last of all, I want to remind you that your strength must come from the Lord's mighty power within you. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand safe against all strategies and tricks of Satan. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies, the evil rulers of the unseen world, those mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule this world and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit world. So use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy whenever he attacks. And when it is all over, you will still be standing up. But to do this, you will need the strong belt of truth and the breastplate of God's approval. Wear shoes that are able to speed you on as you preach the good news of peace with God. In every battle, you will need faith as your shield to stop the fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan. And you will need the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray all the time. Ask God for anything in line with his Holy Spirit's wishes. Plead with him 
Remind him of your needs and keep praying earnestly for all Christians everywhere. So you see, the thing of it is, is God sends us out to be, he's equipped us with God's armor. He accompanies and directs us by the Holy Spirit. And then he tells us to move forward, you know, and this would be a very good message titled Forward on Our Knees. <laughs> you can march forward on your knees. You can bow in your heart without ever bending a kneecap and always have that humility before Christ that says, where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to talk to? And sometimes he just sends somebody in front of you and you just realize this is it. This is who I'm supposed to be talking to today. And so these are the things that he gives us to do as we go forth for him. I'd like to say one thing about, um, it concerns me sometimes, I think, that one of the biggest tricks of the enemy, I believe, is I've done a lot of counseling through the years, and when I read that poem earlier, I have seen all those things happen in the years I've been a pastor. You know, I've held the hand of somebody who whispers his name at the last minute. I've been there when somebody's had to say goodbye to a child. I've been there when people said goodbye to their spouses, just as Pastor Matt has. And, and I'm sorry, I just can't help but cry for that today. Matt's a great pastor. He is a terrific man of God. And he really cares about you people, all of us. And I know they're hurting. And they've got a lot on their plate right now. Please don't forget to pray for them. If they come to your mind 20 times a day, you say a prayer. But I think one of the things that hurts the Christian church more than anything else is Satan likes to bring us back to our time before we saw Jesus on the cross. He takes us back to a mistake we made, a sin we committed, and he goes, hammers it. Don't you remember when you did such and such? And our mind gets twirling around that, and we think, okay, what could I have done differently? Could I have done something to stop this? Don't. Because Jesus says, when it's under the blood, it's under the blood. It's gone. As far as the east is from the west, buried in the deepest sea is any sin you have ever committed because Jesus died for it on the cross. And when you accepted him, it was under the blood of Christ. I don't care what it was. You can use that in your prison ministry too. Tell them it's under the blood of Jesus. He's forgiven you for it. You don't need to keep harping on it. You need to find something else to do. Don't let Satan do that to you. And I know that, I know from the years of counseling that that's one of the things that's, that really, he really does the hardest on you. Let it go. Move on from here. Go from this place because God meets you where you're at and he will take you to where he wants you to be as long as you walk with him. Always he will do that. So, we need to remember, if we are living now by the Holy Spirit's power, let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Then we won't need to look for honors and popularity, which lead to jealousy and hard feelings. That's in Colossians. And I know that in Philippians, that it says that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And I think I've heard three or four of you use that as one of your favorite verses here. And I think it is one of the things that we need to remember every day. We can do all things through Christ who strengthened us. I've been praying that and praying scripture for Matt and Laura over the last few weeks. Because Matt's got a lot to deal with right now. He's got a state to settle. Now he's got his father-in-law passing away. And that's a lot to deal with, you know. And you know what? 
Pastors are called by God to preach. You're called by God to do whatever God called you to do. And we all still hurt. We still have our issues. We still have things happen to us. We say goodbye to our families. And, you know, it's just, it's really hard. It's difficult. And I know all of you are hurting. We've had a lot of people in our church pass away recently. So we still have sadness in our heart. And I remember last night when Matt first called me, first thing I said to him, I said, Matt, my heart's been so heavy for you guys. I don't know if I can do this. And I said, yes, I can. God will help me. So this is what I'm saying. You know, we don't stop doing the things God wants us to do because we're hurting. We just go ahead and do them, and God helps us get through them. So, and the secret is that Christ in our hearts is the hope of all glory. A few years ago, one of the women in my church where I was co-pastor in South Carolina gave me the book, and some of you may have read it, My Heart's Cry by Ann Graham Lotz. I hope some of you have. If not, you need to get it and read it. And she says, longing for more of Jesus. And I'm going to read her, her quote on the back because it pretty much says what I feel. You know, we all know how much Jesus loves us. So I guess sometimes we have to stop and think how much do we love him. Do we love him enough to just give him everything we are? Whether we're young, teens, middle-aged, elderly, just give him everything, you know? You can trust him. You could trust him. But this is what Ann says. I long for more of his voice in my ear, more of his tears on my face, more of his praise upon my lips, more of his death in my life, more of his dirt on my hands, more of his hope in my grief, more of his fruit in my service, more of his love in my home, more of his courage in my convictions, more of his nearness in my loneliness, more of his answers to my prayers, more of his glory on my knees. Do you long for that? And says, God has given me so much, yet I long for even more. Until my faith becomes sight and I see him face to face, my heart's cry will always be, please, dear God, just give me more of Jesus. Is Jesus enough? Yes, friends, he's way more than enough. Just give us Jesus. Our precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for being so faithful to us. We thank you that we know that you paid the price for all of us upon the cross of Calvary because you loved us so much. Dear Jesus, help us to let you know how much we love you by giving you everything we are and trusting you to lead us to every step of our life, every moment of every day, to be all that you want us to be, knowing that you never send us forth by ourselves, but you are always with us, everywhere, always, because you never change. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same Jesus that led the disciples and trained them is the same Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us and directs us today. No, Father, our hearts are sad for Lord Matt. We lift him up to you today. We weep with them, and we love them. 
And we ask that you would place your arms of love around them and just hold them close to your heart. Comfort them, give them your wisdom and give them your courage. Give them your strength. Give them your grace. Oh, dear Jesus, give them all of you through these days and help us to be the people of God to help them through these trying times. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.